and welcome. We are on the island for Survivor, David vs. Goliath, week number three. We are back to talk about a very eventful week, potentially uh, hard to watch week. It was a little painful at times, but it was, we'll talk about it, but it, it was like reality TV at its best and worst at the same time. So a lot to get to. I'm Taylor Gaines. I, I, did I say that already, Ty? I don't know. Who knows? Literally every week, I don't remember if I started with my name, but you know it, so. Yeah, and you know the other guy who's always here. He's, uh, if, if he died, I'd be one of the nine people at his funeral. It's Tyler B. Commons. <laughs> yes, you would make the short list of the nine people. You <laughs> and the four members of my family, and then the people that are walking by and seeing me being buried. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, and we, ha- we have a special guest today who... Uh, who probably had his family get a lot bigger after he won a million dollars, if I know if I know how money works. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, we have a special guest. I'm gonna I'll give him a fun intro too. Let's see. Uh, oh God, he knows the logistics of Slam Town. It's the winner of Survivor Ghost Island, Wendell Holland. How are you? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for letting me on the podcast, Taylor and Tyler. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we let we have let you on after much. Uh, negotiating. He was, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I don't know, Ty. Do we really want a third person? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Thanks a lot, guys. For real. Yeah, thanks for coming. It's definitely going to be an interesting episode to discuss, and I saw you had a, a few opinions on Twitter. We, maybe we'll get into it. I mean, we'll definitely get into the episode. Maybe we'll just yeah. talk about nothing. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I guess just before we dive in, the one thing I like to ask people, which is a, a little different because you had more exposure to people since you made it the whole way in one. I typically like to ask just when you first got into Survivor and like how you were drawn to it and what keeps you watching now. But I think that last question in particular, like obviously you're like, oh, I got to keep watching this. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, just tell us a little bit about your background with it beforehand and, and just how that's evolved. Okay. I started watching Survivor back uh, during season 18. Uh, so quite a while ago, I didn't, I wasn't one of the people that started with, uh, the first season, but I, um, I was scrolling on my Facebook feed and someone that I was following, I was Facebook friends with his name, Sean King. He's like a, he's like a writer. He was a, another Morehouse grad. He wrote something to the tune of, uh, Survivor's about to start next week. I can't believe me and my family still watch this show. And I'm like, whoa, I looked up to this guy, Sean King. I'm like, whoa, Sean King watches Survivor. Let me turn it on. If I'm not mistaken, that was the season with uh, JT and Fishback when they did their thing. And um, I enjoyed that season. And then I just kept watching. I was, I was automatically hooked. I was hooked. I was drawn in. And I thought it would be a cool show for me to be on. And then it worked out. <laughs> it worked out pretty well. Yeah, we, I, I always like to say Survivor is, is like baseball. For I, I, know, I, I don't know if you're a baseball fan, Wendell. I know Ty's not. So this analogy might not work for him. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Not so much, but let's hear it. Basically, like, one of the things I like about baseball is it goes on all year. It's, like, in the background. Whether you're paying attention or not, it's just kind of always there for you if you want to turn to it. And that's how Survivor has become, because it's been around for so long, where, like, I watched a lot in the early years when I was really young, didn't watch for a while, dove back in. It's just kind of always there. Yeah. I get the analogy. That's a good one. (laughs) Accepted. Okay. (laughs) But, uh... Yeah, I mean, how has your relationship evolved with it since, you know, this spring? So this spring was my season. I did very well on the season. I had a good alliance. We made it to the end. 
I was kind of unscathed and I didn't get a lot of blood on my hands. So it was good for me. You know, not every winner has that experience. Uh, not every Survivor contestant, for sure, comes off with such a love or enjoying everything about it. But because I guess it had to do with my cast and the game I played, I came away, you know, very happy uh, with the desired result, obviously. And um, since then, since the end of my season, I've just been um, I've been very busy. But I'm excited now within these last few weeks to become a fan again and just start watching again and enjoying Survivor again. Yeah. And it seems like with your season, people are still pretty friendly, especially like the final three. It seems like all of you are, are friendly. And obviously, Laurel had to essentially hand you the million dollars. So uh, I'm sure you're friendly with her. But Shout out to Laurel. <laughs> I don't know that the same can be said about what's going on this season so far because last night got ugly in a way that it hasn't in a while and it also got uglier this morning uh we're recording on thursday as the post interviews came out and we'll get into all that a little bit later but just like first off obviously what we're talking about is jeremy and natalie got into a war of personalities essentially and both struggled with, I think, self-awareness and how they were being perceived. And both had very strong opinions. And uh, Ty, you're someone with strong opinions. What did you make of this whole <laughs> debacle? I did not think that Jeremy was going to come on as strong as he did. I mean, after reading interviews and everything that came out today, it makes sense. And he said that was a thing that was going to get him in trouble. But Natalie, dear sweet Natalie, like she's falling into what we thought was going to happen from the preseason. We said she's not going to change. Yeah. She's not going to mesh well with people. I don't. I think the smartest move she did was she stayed fairly quiet at Tribal, at least, and it kind of seemed like Jeremy was bashing her and she was just sitting there taking it, which was like a good stance for her to take and maybe the smartest thing she's done on Survivor so far. But, yeah, it was almost uncomfortable watching the way they interacted and argued and... Like awkwardly, they had Kara sitting there just watching them argue. It was a really heated episode, and it was is crazy. It was fun, like you said in the intro. It was like the best of reality TV, but simultaneously the worst because of how weird it was. <laughs> yeah, because you, you're like you're like this is entertaining, and then you're like, wait a second, this is terrible. <laughs> and, and we talked a little bit last week about how Natalie was potentially doing a smart thing by being like, I'm weak, I'm not going to win. There's no way I'm going to win. Keep me around, and it might that might have been what helped her stay around but i also felt like they were just competing to self-destruct as quickly as possible and i'd never seen like i never felt during tribal like there were two people who i could just cross off the like possible winners list this early where i was just like there's no way people are going to trust them or vote for them and like is it ever a good move to be like hey guys let's have a tribe meeting and then you bring everybody together and you say uh no more strategizing. He's putting too much meat on himself. He's attracting too much attention. It's like you want to you want to lay low. You don't want to bring you you don't want man. I felt like as a black man, I felt going out there. I wanted to lay as low as possible as as, as early in the game as possible. And if I wanted to make moves, you know, get to the merge and do it after that. But like having a powwow and telling people that they can't there there can't be any side conversations. That's that's just attracting too much heat too early, putting too much of a target on your back. 
And then all the all the dialogue between Natalie and Jeremy from I guess the early episodes through this last episode through Final Tribal Council to me it got a little messy, a little sloppy, a little personal. And yeah, it's great TV, it's great to watch, but it just it kind of hurt and stung to watch. It's like you're watching a train wreck, you know. You, you I, I can't watch a train wreck, but people there are people that like you know. They want to cover their face, but they got to look, you know, and, and that's kind of some of the comments and everything. It just got a little messy for me. Yeah, like I, I made light of this in the intro, but when he said, if I died, all nine of these people would be at my funeral. I don't think you can say the same for her or something along those lines. Like, I'm not sure I could say the same for you. I was just kind of like, oh, like, that is yeah. that is t- too far. Like gut wrenching. It's like it's like a, a dagger. It's like, ouch. Furthermore, if you, if, if as Jeremy, if you were truly blindsided that night, and if you truly believe that it was Natalie going home, you're sending a lot of shots at her on her way out. It's like, man, all right, you, if, if you truly think that you won that battle, you won that battle. Like, let her go, but you don't have to, you don't have to keep going at her, you know? Yeah, I think so. that kind of lends credence to the theory of he did think he was in trouble because... It seemed like they showed him all of a sudden telling everybody that Dan had an idol, refusing to get up and leave when she tried to talk to the other three people. And it got his behavior became very much like someone who's like, I need to hear everything that's happening because I feel like I'm in danger. Scramble time. Right. And like Wendell touched on earlier, he just came on and he played too hard too early. And people. It was like in episode one when Mike went off and like looked for an idol and everyone's like, what is he doing? It's like an hour after we got to the beach and he's off not helping looking for an idol. And Jeremy was doing the exact same thing, like in a different way. He was just trying to get the whole tribe together and have an awkward sit down. And then he's trying to not let anyone strategize and like do this Goliath strong thing. And when you play too hard, everyone says, okay, well, we can't have him make it far because then he might be able to weasel his way into, you know, the top three or whatever. And he just painted way too big of a target on his back. And I even, I liked him the first couple episodes. Like, episode one and two, I was like, man, I'm liking watching this guy. I like watching this guy. I like his little funny comments. I like his relationship with Mike. I'm enjoying watching it. And then took a turn for the worst in episode three, I'd say. And even within this episode, we had some character building moments like with the my dad has Alzheimer's. Like if he could see me doing this, like the man I've become and like the I'd be pissed if I were him, too, with how it was presented, because the (laughs) editors were basically like, you know, here's him being like a real emotional person. But then he's also going to become like this evil person by the end of the episode. And it was just kind of, and we'll get into the backstory, like I mentioned, of of what he's claiming now today, but it was just, it was tough. And like you alluded to this a little bit, Wendell, like there are certain things on Survivor that have played as disadvantages of like, Natalie's the old woman. She's also an old black woman. And like one of the reasons she can't come out and be like really bossy is because she's the old woman and they're just going to like vote her out. And I think you sort of alluded to this on Twitter, like that it was hard to watch the two black people on the tribe just yelling at each other while everyone else just sat back and let them destroy each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, from my perspective, there's already enough negative stereotypes of black people on television. And I wanted to play my game, 
putting forth an image of solidarity and like me and Laurel were able to really work together to the end. And um, on this season, you have you have uh, you have Davy and Carl, and it looks like they're putting forth somewhat of a united front on the David tribe. But then on the Goliath tribe, you have these two, and it's like, okay, you guys might not get along. Okay, that's fine. But now it looks like you guys are like going blow for blow on national TV. You guys are damaging each other's games, and um, it seems like. They, yeah, it seems like they just they just both hindered each other's games. And from my perspective, um, and I know Jeremy doesn't feel the same way. Um, another Jeremy does feel the same way that I feel, though. I, I talked to Jeremy Collins about this earlier. It's like, man, yeah, you, just because there are two black people on the show, you don't you don't have to look out for each other or whatever. But if there's only two out of, you know, your ent- entire tribe. There is a natural affinity or kinship or a desire to to help one another based in light of, you know, the history of black folks in America, in light of what's going on now in the country. It's like I felt the need to go to the end with someone that looks like me and, and show America that there are other images that can be portrayed of black America. And to see these two just going at each other, it just to me, it was ugly and it hurt. It hurt me in my gut. You know, it really hurt. And I texted, uh, I texted Jeremy from, actually, I called Jeremy last night after he got booted. I left him a voicemail saying, um, I enjoyed watching you. If you need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. But, um, but then hearing, seeing what happened today, I was just like, man, like, there's still a lot going on. It's getting messier and messier. And that's the stuff that it just, it's still like, man, can we just chill out a little bit? This is. This is this is under the microscope now. America's watching. Why don't we just take a take a breather? Sorry for my long soliloquy. No, I, I just like that was one of the things that was tough about it is like there were these undertones to it, and I didn't really expect like this fight to turn into like I don't I don't mean to ever like try to quantitatively compare things like this, but like the Zeke Varner thing from a few seasons ago had a similar like queasiness to it of like someone saying something that's like clearly over the line and it like it it takes you out of the game and you're like thinking about like you you mentioned like political stuff like socio political issues and like it really only got worse with the stuff today and i guess i'll i'll get into that because we've teased it long enough for those who don't follow it as closely um essentially Jeremy came out in his ex interviews this morning and it sounded like he had like a statement that he was reading during each interview. And what he's essentially what he said is he was targeted by Angelina and we did get to see that she was the one kind of orchestrating this, but he claims he was targeted by her because he made a joke about her quote unquote showmance with the wrestler, John Hennigan. Uh, he compared it to Dan and Kara saying that, it was like, you know, Dan was really into Cara, but she wasn't that into him. He said it was the same way Angelina was really into John. John, not so much. Now, the issue with this is uh, Angelina was a newlywed at the time they were filming this, and he claims she didn't want anyone to say on air that she was in a, in a showmance. John was also engaged and apparently got married soon after the season. His claim is that like, for example, you see her saying, I don't trust Jeremy anymore. We have to vote him out. 
and he says that anymore is based on this joke. She didn't trust I was going to keep the secret. She didn't like that I talked to John and said, if you're trying to keep this secret, when you get over to the tribe stop, they're going to find out because you're always together. Survivor doesn't have a lot of rules, but telling someone not to say something on camera, that's a rule, that's a bridge too far. Her response in a statement this morning was, My husband and I are aware of Jeremy's comments. While we do not appreciate his blatant mischaracterization of my friendship and alliance with John, I am not surprised he feels compelled to attempt to revise the narrative. I think all this really comes down to one fundamental survivor truth. Being the first eliminated member of your tribe by a unanimous, undisclosed blindside must really sting, especially for a supposed Goliath. Oof. (laughs) Supposed Goliath was like the dagger. She put the knife in and twisted it. I think this is where Jeremy, being a super fan, just took the game almost too seriously and too personally. I think he went out there with the idea of, like, this is real life. And I think we talk about this with casts. When they get to the end, if you can say, look, you voted me out, but you made a good move and whatever, I respect that. I don't think he went into this game with that mentality. Everything seemed way too real and way too personal. Just the way he was, um, you know, attacking Natalie personally, or he was kind of being shifty and like rummaging through Dan's stuff, which I don't, it, it feels taboo, even though I don't know if it's taboo. I've never been out there. But it's just everything was way too personal and way too close to his heart, if you ask me. He kind of took everything way too hard. And for that, like, all his passion was shown on his sleeves by day nine and the tribe just couldn't take it so yeah it was unanimous and like you feel bad for the guy because this is something he's wanted for a long time and he went out there and just didn't know how to handle the pressure the situation or the people as well as he thought he did i think i think thinking back to some of his pre-press if i'm not mistaken i think with wiggler he might have said something to the tune of being the first one out and having to sit at ponderosa for 39 days is like is like the worst thing that a, could ever a happen. A step above cancer was what he said. See, it's like you have that. You add to the fact that this guy is a very successful New York attorney and he's very confident and very, you know, he has a lot going for him. You 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 put him on this show, he he makes a show that he's been a big fan of. And then for him to go out first, it's like I understand that uh and for it to be under those circumstances, it's like, man, I understand that this isn't the way you wanted to go out, um, especially when you had such a, a tremendous potential upside. Like this guy had personality, smarts, strong. He could he could have been long for the game. He could read people. He could read like this guy had a lot going on. And then for him to go out first, it's like, all right, he, he took a big shot to his pride. And it's like, you know what? You could, all right, you got voted out. You could shut your mouth and take it on the chin, understand it's a game, understand that we all signed up for whatever the edit will be. We all signed up for um, every three days to be condensed down into a 40-minute episode. We signed up for this, you know? They can show us however they want. But it seems like he, he got off, he saw his edit, he saw how he went out, and he could, to this day, continue to, like, want to fight it. And it's like... Even after he got voted out, from my perspective, I, aside from a couple comments that went on in that episode, I was like, you know what, still like Jeremy. But then today, I was like, man, it's, it's like, been months. Ah, come on, yeah. man, you don't have to say these things. 
let, now it looks personal. It's like, it's like you're taking this game and you're, you're stepping outside the game and trying to harm people's lives. And it's, uh, it's messy. This, and this was actually kind of a running theme of the episode, too, is people taking things very personally. Like, Natalia basically turned into, like, a Mean Girls character anytime she talked about Natalie and was just like, I don't care. I don't like her. I want her gone. And, like, on and on. And Mike got very attached to Jeremy, and obviously the vote ended up being 9-1, to one, but he got, like, a little emotional. Like, Nat- Jeremy, who we're talking about, got took it very personally. Natalie took things very personally in her own way which we've talked about um i think even like b davy and carl took things pretty personally at the beginning and carl went yeah. so far as me and ty were talking about this before we started recording like we didn't get a lot on tv about him and jess being close but apparently they were and my man started crying on day six. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I love that guy, too, man. I love that guy. There's a lot of people taking things very personally. And I guess, like, one of the things I wanted to parlay this, or one of the ways I wanted to parlay this to you, Wendell, is, like, you've been on the winning side of a lot of votes. And I think you were on the losing side of a few at at certain points. My memory fades for specifics, but I know it happened. And, like, what was the, like, how did you separate game and personal and and how did you help other people do that or try to or like how did you just experience that in general okay so um being a big fan of survivor i had been taking notes since like the second season i was watching and just thinking like i'm going to be on the show one day i've been taking i could show you guys on my phone like pages and pages of notes of strategy and one thing was how to respond to a blind side it's like I got blindsided my first tribal, which was the third vote out. Um, I guess the the Malolo people that had been swapped onto our tribe blindsided me, Dom, and Morgan. They voted Morgan out. Oh, right. And right. That was when I, I was coming back. Yeah. yeah, I was coming back. It was just me and Dom, pretty much. And we were super bitter and mad, and I was pouting a little bit, but I understood, like, First of all, it's a game. The, those guys made a, a brilliant move on us. They made the best move that they could make other than taking out me or Dom. Um, they made a great move on us. It's a game. It's not personal. And in the game of Survivor, like when you wake up the next day, things are subject to change. Things can change. So um, when I say I, I took notes, it's like, look, you get blindsided. There's a way you have to respond. You can't go go back to camp and pour rice in the fire and, and flip stuff. You know, you have to, you have to, you might want to say, Hey, good move. You know, good night guys. And, um, so B Davey, Carl, they got blindsided, Nick and Christian, those guys pulled a, a, a very good move. And, uh, when they came back, they kind of pointed blame at Gabby. Yeah. We can talk and about that. So too. Now, That's like a whole different issue. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and like B is like pissed at Gabby now. And she's like, I knew it was Gabby all along. No, it was actually Nick and Christian. But um, like, you can't, you can't be so pissed at somebody. It's like, take take it all in stride. You know, take it take it with a grain of salt. Understand it's a survivor move, and understand that things are always subject to change. Yeah, I think B actually summed up the episode best. I'm trying to find the quote. I thought I had it in my notes here somewhere. Okay, here here's her quote. I thought this summed up pretty much everything that happened in the episode with the way that she started to say something else and then just doubled down. Uh, she said, it's a little bit personal, but also it's a lot personal. And I felt like that was like just a really good synopsis of every, the whole disaster and everything. 
And the other part of this too is like, how do you criticize people or or give people self uh, uh, like constructive criticism, and how do you react to stuff like that? Because Jeremy obviously tried to do that with Natalie a lot, and it backfired every single time. Like, did you have experience with that? Like within your alliance or outside of it, where you're like, I need to tell this person calm down or do this, and like. How, or, or did you have to do that yourself? Like somebody came and said, Wendell, you need to chill. Or, but you were, you were, I think chill is probably one of the three words I would use to describe the way you played. So uh, I don't know. Like how, how, how do you view that? Uh, let's see. Managing your emotions. I think if you're on the receiving end of that, it's always good to say less or say, say little and not be so resp- responsive. Like try to internalize it and take it in and understand what they're saying. Um, sometimes it's hard to say those things like, to have that conversation. Well, you famously tried to mediate between Dom and Chris. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, for like a Jeremy to come and tell Natalie, hey, you you don't have good self-awareness. That's 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 just difficult, man. I, Harsh it's work. tricky because she didn't take that well. And it was true. She looked like the person that was standing back, barking orders, watching people do things. That... That might be a conversation that you just you you don't want to have with someone, you know. Like it's sometimes those difficult conversations, you just need to sit back um, or have a different type of conversation with her. Like, hey, hey, Natalie, how can we work together? Not like, hey, you don't understand how you come across these people. They're looking at you. <laughs> um, with me and Dom, I there was one point because I knew Dom was this big New Yorker, big mouth, big talker. And all eyes on Dom. It's always the Dom show. Mm-hmm. So before Final Tribal, I guess we were comparing notes. We are always so candid with one another. I was just like, hey, Dom, another thing in, in at Final Tribal is like, you really got to watch your tone. Watch how you talk to these people that we just voted out. And um, tone is a huge thing in the game of Survivor. I, I learned it. I caught myself saying things to Laurel in the same manner that I'd say them to Dom. But... Laurel would get pissed at me, and Dom would take it like, all right, we're good. We're on the same page. If I'm short with Laurel, she thinks that I'm being short and condescending and, you know, shady. So watch your tone in the game of survival. Understand who, understand your audience. Understand who you're talking to. Yeah, and what's interesting to me, specifically with your season, since we're talking about handling things emotionally versus like, oh, that was a good game move. Like, I felt at the time that the divide between the jury with who voted for you and who voted for Dom, it seemed like the people who were really pissed at Dom all voted for you. I forget the, all the names at this point, but it was like Sebastian was angry. God, I really can't remember. And, uh, Donathan, Donathan, Angela. Right. I'm sure you have these people's names Chelsea, written on your wall. <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> Kellen. But yeah, I guess my, my question was like, did you think of it I, i'm sure you didn't think of it in that binary of a way but like to, it looked like oh the people who handled this emotionally all voted for wendell and the people who were just like oh i don't mind dom like making it the dom show like i'm gonna vote for dom and like those people went that right. way did, did you think about that after you won there is that way to look at it people and i will say that like i did connect like heart to heart with a lot of those people that voted for me the way i like to look at it is if you if you think about how they voted for us the first five people that went to vote voted for Don. Those were the first five people voted onto the jury. The, the last five people that were voted out voted for me. From my perspective, they saw me longer in the game. They saw the, mm. the moves I made at the end of the game and where I elevated my game. So um, they also happened to be 
what I view as more like emotional, sensitive type people. And that's the kind of person I am. And um, coincidentally, like I said, it was just the first five to the jury voted for Dom. Maybe they were talking. You never know. But I think the people that were longer for the game or made it longer in the game were able to see my game a little more. Yeah, that was my conspiracy theory was uh, that that sounds like something you would do if you if the jury was sitting on Ponderosa and they're like, we should split the vote because both these guys are awesome. And like, okay, first five vote for him, first last five vote for him. <laughs> and then... Uh, it's, it sounds like that. You know, that's a good theory until you actually think about the people that were the first five and the second five. It's like, yeah, that that the second five... I don't think there was anybody recruited in that second five, and those those guys know the game of Survivor, you know? And um, it, the first five, they probably liked seeing big Survivor moments and the <laughs> Dom show, but uh, I think, I don't think that that second five, I don't think that many people amongst that crew would say, you know what, let's divide it this way. Yeah, and I guess on a positive note to spin us back into this episode of, of like, a mess is it ended up being your relationship with Laurel and her handing the million dollars off to you. And like you talked about with representation on television and stuff like that was much better optics to have a black woman handing the million dollars to a black guy than what we saw last night. Yeah. But there is a lot of other stuff to get into from this episode too. And I I will try to uh, get through it so we can get to our power rankings here, but we've touched on a lot of it. One thing I definitely wanted to mention was, B all of a sudden bringing up her sprained MCL, which since we're talking about like, you know, outside of the game things that are having an impact, that's been a large theme of this season, obviously with Pat going down with an injury that was, you know, not strategy or game related. And even Jessica got in trouble for tweeting the N word or whatever it was. Yeah. And way back in the day, I heard about that. Yeah. So like literally all three weeks so far, we've had some kind of outside of the game controversy. We haven't (laughs) been able to focus on strategy. And now we have this new thing, which is not really equivalent with some of these previous things, but it's like, Oh, well now B might have to leave because she has a torn MCL or something. It's just been a weird season for stuff like that so far. There's a lot of outside stuff going. I mean, this is the TMZ season, isn't it? So yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, because we haven't even we haven't even gotten to see any relationship between Alec and Kara on the show, who are allegedly not going to be at the final live show and not going to get their uh, whatever you call it appearance fee for being on the show, according to TMZ. So and already in ep- already by episode three, I think how many people are not going to be at the reunion? <laughs> at least those two, and now I'm guessing Jeremy and Natalie are. So, is there are there, is there going to be anyone at the reunion? Oh gosh, I don't know. This is our new our new uh, thing we're gonna have to be thinking about. Man, what a weird season. It's good for our podcast, but it's weird for for enjoying it. So yeah, so let's for the rest of the episode, let's try to just. Talk about inside the game, strategy, how we feel. So there are two main things strategy-wise that I want to talk about, which are hard to separate on one hand, but we'll do it. Firstly, there is Christian and Nick, which Wendell alluded to earlier. And they were in that enviable middleman position last week where they got to dictate the direction of the game. And they chose to take out Jessica and immediately started throwing Gabby under the bus. Now, if you read like Fishback, who we reference on here, he was like, the move would be to trash the person who got sent out. Like, say, you know, she had to go, she was tearing apart our tribe, blah, 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 or whatever it is. But instead, 
Christian is potentially risking what appears to be his closest and certainly most adorable alliance in the game. So uh, I, I was joking about this when I introduced Wendell, but the conversation between them about the logistics of Slamtown was my favorite thing. So yeah, I, like it's a risky move. I'm, and Nick has certainly evolved from he was going to be the first one out and now he's in a pretty good position on his drive, according to what Pat and everybody has been saying. So yeah, I mean, what do you think of that? The like view of of them throwing her under the bus and she's obviously had an emotional i think that move is very good for nick um because obviously christian and gabby are getting kind of close and um those two are very 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 smart and um i love i love how nick and christian are playing in the middle but it seems like nick is almost and yet this uh mason dixon alliance that's his number one alliance but it's like to me, it seems like he is getting um, Christian to kind of separate with Gabby. Gabby and Christian seem pretty pretty tight, so I think it's good for Nick. And I think now that 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 contingent, I think they need to weaken that contingent now that they already weakened the the B Carl Jessica Davy contingent. You know, so now it's like they are a true swing vote, and it's they're in a good position. But I think Nick is in a a particularly good position. Yeah, and that kind of makes me a little bit sad because I did love, I mean, I still do love watching the Christian-Gabby dynamic about Slamtown and Wimpville and like, hey, you want to come play in the sand? And the freaking drawing in the sand thing was the best. Oh, God. (laughs) It was like one of the funniest moments. But it does make me a little bit sad. But at the same time, we are starting to kind of see Gabby be a little bit neurotic and kind of let the emotion of the game and the struggle of it constantly raining and being hungry. And it sure has been raining. everything that goes along with the elements. She's not handling well. So I think Christian is smart enough and a good enough player to be like, okay, well she served her purpose for this first six or seven days. Like as cold and heartless as that sounds, I think he's an intelligent enough player to see, well, maybe I do need to stick with Mason Dixon and just, kind of throw Gabby to the hounds and let her, you know, tag along for a little while. But when push comes to shove, she's not the one that is going to get him um, as far as Nick is going to get him. So I think it's, yeah, she, like, I don't want Christian to go down with her. I think Christian, and we've said this a little bit, kind of in the same thing like you had last season, Christian's kind of been the narrator of the season. You get to see a lot of his confessionals and that bodes well for him. And I think we're going to start to see less and less of Gabby until she kind of becomes unuseful or irrelevant. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like next week with a mix up in tribes, but yeah, spoiler alert. definitely, yeah, definitely the push to Mason Dixon is the stronger move for those two being able to control an entire tribe right now. She's Gabby's actually kind of reminding me a little bit of Kellen from my season. That That's mm. a positive thing, right? Um, we kind of, I, I, <laughs> I, I now see your sarcasm, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I actually not, was being serious, because I, I think she had she was in a good position for a long time, but, like, obviously things took a turn later. But, yeah, no, I, I think she she was someone who was high in our power rankings for probably the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, there's something, there's something reminding me about her. Fair enough. No, nah, for real, no. Nah, Kellen, um... Towards the end, I, I guess it seemed like she got in desperation mode, but like Kellen, I think, could have done very, very well if a few things were differently. Like 
had Riley knock out and eliminated yeah. and whatnot. So. Yeah, so the other interesting strategic move that happened is something we've been talking about indirectly, but like I kind of want to try to take it on its face to see what we think about it. But Angelina made a big swing to orchestrate the Jeremy thing from what we saw, and it was ironically very political sounding the way it was described like jeremy was like i just don't think you have the support and she was literally using words like i'm gonna go whip votes which is like like a congressional thing that people say (laughs) and it worked out in the end because they wiped him out like nine to one but but yeah I, i thought she was one of like outside stuff aside she was one of the few people who came away from this episode looking pretty good positionally strategically and Fishback's argument, I believe, was something along the lines of she might have made a name of herself too early, like day nine or so. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. What'd you guys make of that big, big move by her? I think she seemed strong, powerful. I love the uh, all woman alliance that she was uh, starting last episode or the episode before that. But it like it does seem very strong and powerful very early in the game, and like she orchestrated that when she spoke. She got everyone in order um, eventually. And obviously, you don't want to be that one vote that votes with Jeremy. Like, Mike uh, Mike probably, you know, didn't want to be the one guy that stood loyal to his buddy. You want to, you know, you want to be unanimous with that. But she looks very strong and very powerful very early. And that could be bad. That could be threatening. Yeah, it's not good to peak early. You would know. It's never good to peak in high school, you know? Some of us did that, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> and I am I am worried, but it's weird because she's not getting, like, a strong in-your-face kind of edit. She's only... We're seeing her strategy and maybe a little bit of talking, but we're not seeing a lot of her kind of controlling the tribe and controlling the way people vote. She's almost, like, just a voice of reason in the background. I don't know. I feel like... Well, she is a strong character and maybe making the right move, she's not being shown to do it in like an in-your-face way. But that could have just been overshadowed by all the in-your-face arguing between Natalie and Jeremy this week. I don't really know. Well, the, the other interesting thing to me about her is like she was on a tribe that has been like very relaxed from what we've seen to the point where earlier this episode, Kara said, yeah, we don't have to strategize because we're not losing. And I always wonder how that mindset even happens when you're like in such a short sprint for a million dollars, but it does. And I, my guess is it comes from people who know they are in a safe position. So they just don't want everybody else to strategize. But, uh, but she went in and shook up a tribe that did not seem like it was, you know, fired up to like make a lot of moves. Yeah. It seemed like everybody was just content with sitting back and like, letting Natalie go. But the funny thing about the last two votes we've had is I feel like they're getting rid of really strong strategic players early. And it's not just the David tribe last week with Jessica, but this week we saw with Jeremy who kind of was working the system and talking to everybody. Obviously he did it way too hard in kind of an upfront manner, but it's just interesting to me to watch both tribes get rid of really strong players early where in the past it's kind of like, no, we're just going to keep these strong guys and win challenges and not get rid of anybody, and the strong players stick around. I don't know. It just it seems like a weird trend that's going on in this season. When I think of, when I think of the Goliath tribe, though, it's like 
Not a lot of weak. I don't know, man. It's like mm-hmm. that's a strong. They're not only are they big. They're not big dummies. They're big, strong, and smart. You got the Davids. They're small and smart. But you got this physical force that is also smart. I'm glad that there's a swap coming up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it does seem like we were just starting to get some traction, though, as far as you know the tribe dynamics like i felt like we were starting to get a good idea of i guess that's what they do <laughs> every time every time things start to like sort of solidify like bomb so we'll have that next week that'll be an interesting twist but i want to i want to get to the power rankings so yeah I, unless anybody else has anything they really want to touch on before that we're going to go through and rank our top 3 for the week we'll have uh, Wendell i'll give my power rankings but Wendell's can replace mine in the point system because what we do is we do first place is worth three points second place is worth two third place is worth one and currently we have before this week christian was in the lead with nine elizabeth five dan three davy three b2 gabby one Kara one so we can uh dive into that i guess we will start with our special guest uh who was your Let's just do your number one first. That way we all have to give our number ones first and we can't we okay. can't hedge. So who do you have number one? My number one is the guy who I picked before the season started to actually win. My number one is Nick. And it's because he, he started off a little a little funky. He was he was target the first episode. He's found his footing. He's starting to make all these alliances. And he's in a good swing vote position right now. I, I like him. He's not physically threatening. I don't think people know he's an attorney. He's he's very smart, and I think he I think he's he's long for the game. Yeah, you had the attorney thing going too, right? You you uh I don't think you ever yeah. you never told anybody, right? I told them on the boat home after final trial. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting. That's like a weird bias in the game against attorneys, but I just I I think that like especially with like a Nick, he has this country accent. Sometimes people associate that with you know whatever they want to associate it with you can say it um <laughs> people think it's too and, uh, nope, me and Ty are not both out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> not out of my mouth but you know <laughs> and with me I, i'm a i build things so like i could just say look guys all i do is build things. i'm a simple guy that builds things so you don't want to you don't want to wear on your sleeve that you're kind of calculating that's all yeah or that you're a little smarter than one would one would think so yeah nick, nick is at the top Ty, who you got number one? I think number one for me this week, it has to be Angelina. Just the way she orchestrated things from behind. And she's not, I think, in the chopping block for anybody. The way she got people together and they talked about each of the women on that tribe have a guy under their thumb that they're able to control. And I think she's doing a really good job with that. So Angelina is my number one for now. But I could see her not being there for very much longer. Yeah, it's funny. We're going to end up having three different ones because I, I, it's it's hard when you have to pick three because you can't really pair people together as Ty always tries to do because he hates me. <laughs> I would pick the other half of the uh, Mason-Dixon alliance because Christian. Christian has kind of blown me away with how much people like him, like how entertaining he is and fun and apparently can solve any puzzle that is put in front of him. And I still feel like Survivor has enough inherent biases in it where people won't view him as a threat until it's too late. Or at least that's what I'm hoping for with my ranking here. And 
I think, like you said about Nick, they're in such a great spot in the middle. I'm a little concerned about the throwing Gabby under the bus thing, but I like the idea of him a little more than Nick because he has that other relationship. Like the, you know, you had the relationship with Dom and you, but you also had the one with Laurel and it like, that's why the throwing her under the bus is concerning. But I think the fact that he has been as good at it as he has gives me a lot of hope. And, uh, with a whole tribe full of people who are not super physically intimidating, like B is an MMA fighter, but like she is their main person. They keep sending out for challenges. So it's, he's my number one for now without uh, going on anymore. He's somebody that it seems like no one would ever want to sit next to at final tribal because Mm -hmm. of how likable and hilarious when he talks you, it's like you sit there and listen in awe and you're just smiling like, what is coming out of his mouth? I don't know half the words that coming are coming out of his mouth, <laughs> but it's like amazing. I had to re-listen to things. Uh, so yeah, that's a that's a. I like him. I really really like him. So who do you have number two? My number two, and this uh, it's crazy. Uh, this is another guy that was at the top of my list. He still is. I really like Davy, hmm. and I like him because he has an idol. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I gotta start. I gotta start keeping notes of who has idols because it's gonna get messy soon. Yeah, yeah. He has an idol that's just chilling. He's social. He's likable. People like him. He uh, he can catch some some <laughs> fish, you know. And it seems like it seems like this guy knows the game. It's like um, he he doesn't seem so imposing or like he's necessarily the smartest guy on the tribe or anything. He's a likable guy that kind of falls in the cracks. I can relate to that, you know. I. That's that was kind of that was kind of where I stood, and um, so I'm liking Davy. I think he can. I think he can make a, a strong run in the game. Yeah, Davy's uh, one of my personal favorites, but he didn't make my top three this week just because I feel like we didn't see enough. And I, you know, my criteria kind of change every week, which is you know terrible. <laughs> but we didn't see a lot of him this week, so he didn't We're make only my human top tie. three. I know. <laughs> um, so uh, so my number two, I've got Nick. He stepped up and he made the right calls and he has cemented his line. You talked about it last week. Um, Fishback was saying how he actually cemented and made their alliance a real thing by naming it. And I think that's something that it probably going forward, people might start trying to do just to cement it as a real thing. Um, I think that was a great move. And then this week, yeah, he and Christian kind of get to throw Gabby under the bus or at least say, well, look, it's not us. Just, you know, get rid of Gabby. She's neurotic and kind of crazy. Um, so for that reasons, I got Nick at number two. If I was, um, if I was not on survivor and still taking my notes, that would have been on it. Like him saying, actually naming the Alliance. I think that's a great, a great move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it seems so silly at the time. And now it's like, it, it, it I guess it is a smart thing to do. Yeah. I, I would say, for me, Angelina would be my number two. It's always hard deciding, like, do I pick someone from the winning tribe or the losing tribe for the power rankings? But I do want to give her some credit because, like you said, she might have put herself in danger earlier than she intended. But for now, it was a great move. And all the nasty outside stuff aside, I think in a vacuum, I would have tried to take out the strategic person rather than the person who will probably not get any votes and just be loyal. So more power to her especially for turning around someone like natalia who looked like she was just gonna viciously <laughs> take out whoever she didn't like so more more power to her yep all right and for the reasons why she was in both of your top twos 
uh, Angelina was my third. And it's like so strong, so smart. She orchestrated this um, blind side of, of Jeremy. Jeremy's a much bigger threat, in my opinion, than, than uh, um, Natalie. And furthermore, I consider myself a feminist. And I do like her all-woman alliance that she orchestrated, you know, two episodes ago. Yeah. I would love to, if that can, if that, I would love to see an all-woman alliance go far in the game. So I think that that's, uh, I think that's real cool. And I do like, I, even, even when she was talking about women, like, um, the percentage of women that find idols, right? it's like, I, I think that, I think that that might be foreshadowing something maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I just, I like her stance and although she's coming off very strong, very early, she's, she's gotta be in my top three. She's definitely in my top three but at number three. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool moment because they edited it in a really clever way that was kind of like, watch how she controls this guy. Watch how she controls this guy. And she's controlling this guy. And uh, they, I don't know that they named their alliance. We'll have to come up with a name for it. But they had a, they've had a strong couple weeks and looking forward to seeing what happens with them. And I think <laughs> TMZ of it included, what I've heard about Kara gives me more hope for Angelina because... There's just something that makes me think neither Kara or Alec is gonna win, <laughs> or else we would we would have like probably even more controversy about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ty, who's your number three? Is there anyone we haven't mentioned yet? Actually, yes, it is, and <gasps> I think this is the first time I haven't had Christian, who was my winner pick preseason, on my top oh, three. Oh, you know, just because you said that, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet, despite your your pride. I was going to let it go in the end. Wendell, I just have to say this. Preseason, last season, I picked you as my winner, and you came through for me. So, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. I've been able to rub it in Taylor's face all offseason because he kicks my butt in um, Fantasy Survivor. He made 20 bucks off of it. You made a million dollars off of it. I'm sure you were sweating all season, though, huh? Dude, I was worried, but... Like we talked about, your social game came in at the end, and you and Dom being together was a great thing, and it was fun to watch. So, again, thank you. Appreciate it. So, so who's your number three? Yeah, sorry. Back to my number three. I've got John at number three this week Mm. because he got a lot of airtime, and he got to say a lot, and I really liked his one interview where he said, I'm not john the mayor of Slamtown, out here i'm just john and i'm learning how to socialize with people and get with people again and make connections and just be me you know he gets to hang up his wrestling persona which i don't think he gets to do back here in the states and i really liked that moment and for that reason i think he's gonna click with people plus i think people are naturally drawn to a chiseled herculean looking guy like they just want to figure out like what his deal is so for that i've got him at number three you know and I hope it works out well for him. I hope he continues to be a good player. You talked about being the narrator of the season. Like This was a good episode for him. There was like a whole segment where it was just him talking about what was going on at Goliath. And uh, mm-hmm. I think he, this, he felt just outside of my top three. I put, um, I put Nick in mind for the reasons that Wendell talked about. And I had a hard time splitting up him and Christian. But I, I went ahead and just put him number three. But John is the other person I considered. Because I think it was, a, it was a strong week for him. With, a, with an episode about people struggling to separate personal feelings from game stuff, he was one of the few people who came off well with the way he was relating to people. Uh, quickly about John, um, I heard good things about him. Um, Johnny Fairplay is one of my buddies, and Johnny Fairplay speaks very highly of him. And um, 
But watching him the first and second episodes, I was like, ah, he's still to me. He's a wrestler on this on this show, and like I couldn't separate even with the way he was talking. I felt like he was doing this almost wrestling persona. But then this episode, I'm like, wow, I started to warm up to this guy, and he continued to talk about trying to um, trying to build a relationship with Natalie, and like he really became like a human being, and it was almost like. His, his big strong it, it was almost like all of that kind of changed too and how he was talking about his personal interactions with people and it's crazy because I grew up a big wrestling fan a while ago I hadn't watched in like a decade but like <laughs> wa- watching this guy become like a real person from this almost caricature it's cool to watch and I'm definitely warming up to John it's almost like inside of every Goliath there's a David somewhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it was definitely a good episode for him. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Hopefully the show can get a little more uh, focused within the show. But I don't know. Well, it's it's just as fun to talk about either way. Uh, so that that's our power rankings for this week. Ty, Angelina 1, Nick 2, John 3, Wendell, Nick 1, Davey 2, Angelina 3, and for me, Christian, Angelina, Nick. So some similar names in there for sure. By the way, I was looking this up as we were speaking because I couldn't remember what our final tally was last season, but our power rankings correctly predicted the winner last season because going into the finale, Wendell, not that the numbers specifically meant anything, but Wendell had 36 points, Dom had 32, and then there's a pretty steep drop-off to Michael and Kellen at 16. So (laughs) hopefully it'll be just as good of a predictor (laughs) of success this year. Uh, That way we can like copyright it, trademark it, and, and make money off of it or something. It's like our, it's our survivor analytics. <laughs> analytics are taking over the game. <laughs> uh, trust the process. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Are you a Sixers oh, fan? Yes, I am. It's an interesting time. I hope, I hope we can keep Ben Simmons and Joel and B. I hope we can keep Ben Simmons. <laughs> That's what I will say because he's, a, he's, a, he's quite the talent. He's a special, a special character. Not a basketball he's a, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not a basketball podcast. He's a young Ty always LeBron. brings up basketball also. Wendell, who's, uh, whose buzzer beater was better? Oh, here we LeBron's go. LeBron's or... Um, I'm going to turn the mics off for this. <laughs> or Trey, whatever his name was. I haven't, been, I haven't watched any of the preseason. Okay, that's fair. Last night, LeBron hit a buzzer beater, and so did Trey What's-His-Face from Oklahoma. He Young. hit like a 90-footer. It was ridiculous. It's not a basketball podcast, <laughs> but I also have to say that that 90-footer is better than uh, whatever LeBron put up. <laughs> nah, I love LeBron. All right, y'all. Well, I think that's all we got for this week. Unless anybody wants to add anything else, I guess we can. You can do plugs. You got. You guys. You said you got a lot of stuff going on. Do you have anything exciting you want to promote? What am I doing? Um, I am. I'll be buying a plant tomorrow. Well, catch me on social media at Wendell Holland. Uh, catch my my business stuff at B B E V E Unlimited, and I'm actually going up to New York next Sunday to do a, a bike race for MS. My buddy Chris Noble. His mom's been fighting MS since she was 27, and he's been championing championing that cause. And um, even on the show, he spoke about it. And so he's getting a bunch of survivors to uh, go on a big bike uh, bike race. So if anyone wants to support that, um, I'm going to be putting the link in my bio on my Instagram. It'll be a great cause. Ty, can you top that? Uh, <laughs> no, I've got I've got nothing big going on. It's my off week. I know you said you had like a crappy bed. Maybe you could get a bed from Wendell. Yeah, true. I don't know if I can afford any of uh, Wendell's handiwork. Seems like his stuff is top quality. 
<laughs> it's of quality, but we have affordable pieces. <laughs> All right, you don't know what I do for a living, so <laughs> affordable is a very adjustable word. <laughs> but no, Wendell, thank you for being here. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for joining us, Wendell. Uh, this is a great conversation. We've really had a lot to dig into this week, and uh, I think we did it as as best as humans could do for now. So wait until the robots take over. This has been on the island. Go uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you like it. And I think uh, I don't know if you can rate on Spotify, but we're also on there, so you can listen to us that way if you're paying the ten dollars a month. It's probably free if you go online, but I don't know. I don't sell Spotify. <laughs> we just put the podcast places and people listen. So <laughs> go do that. Follow us at On the Island Pod and stuff like that. I'm Gaines Taylor. He's Tyler B. Commons. This has been Survivor David vs. Goliath Week Three. So uh, come back again soon. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Peace. I'm not good at making these things up as well. <laughs> that is right.